0: Today is the 12th of August, 2014, and this is episode 135. This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Cryptocurrency is new, highly experimental, and we're not experts, just obsessed companions walking the road towards a more peer-to-peer future. Welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin, a twice-weekly show about the ideas, people, and projects building the digital economy and the future of money. My name is Adam B. Levine and today on Let's Talk Bitcoin, we're joined by Sean Wilkinson, one of the minds behind the distributed storage project. Sean, how are you? I'm doing just fine. And yourself? I am pretty good. So before we get into your project, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your how and why story about crypto?
1: so i got involved in crypto about two years ago i had a friend that was mining and it said hey that that looks like fun you know my gpu is not being used so why didn't i do that too so i got involved in mining about 2012 played around with it made my room too hot so i stopped mining that's probably one of the bigger mistakes of my life Came back a couple months later when everyone's talking about Bitcoin and really started to kind of dive into it. I said, Oh, this is an interesting technology. Being a computer science major, I read through Satoshi's white paper and, and I kind of knew this this would be a really defining technology. So I got involved just a, a little bit into Bitcoin core development, I just cleaning up some libraries around the edges. And then I really started to dive into building applications and platforms. Uh, so got involved with Purecoin and Primecoin uh, and also Invictus slash Bitshares. And so that kinda led me to learning a lot about the underlying technology and what you can you can do with it. And that all kind of led to to storage here.
0: Is it pronounced storage or is it storage? I really I've been looking at it because it's got that J at the end.
1: It's pronounced storage. It essentially comes from a write-up that Gregory Maxwell did a couple of years ago on how you could build this decentralized network run with autonomous agents that you pay to store your file and it's completely non-human run completely in code um, so it's kind of a takeaway from that and how we can make that possible by incrementally billing it so if you look it up on bitcoin talk storage and you can find the kind of original posts that inspire this whole project and so we're taking the name from that
0: you know, we've talked with the guys from MadeSafe before and they sort of feel similar to what you're doing here. First, can you give us kind of a um, a high-level overview of of what you're doing with storage and then talk about how it's similar and where it differs from MadeSafe?
1: The underlying concept of storage is essentially uh, classified as a collaborative cloud. We have me, you, Bob, Sally, and Susie, And Satoshi all around the internet. And we connect our hard drives together through a network. So we form essentially a quote unquote cloud. So when I want to store my files, I can encrypt it, split it up, and distribute it among a couple people's computers on this cloud. So that gets away from the traditional model where you take your files and you store them on Dropbox or Google drive or all any of these other applications. And essentially they just go to a place like Amazon and they get dumped on a couple of servers there. So that's the model that we use now. But when you move toward this more collaborative cloud model, it's, it's really a cloud that's built by the users. It's a lot more secure. It's a lot faster And then there's also a a rewards portion. So why would I join this network? Why would I lease out my hard drive space? Why would I lease out my my bandwidth? It's because I'm getting paid for that. I'm getting paid in cryptocurrency or some other method for doing that. Um, It's almost analogous to mining where you take your, your CPU power, well, now that's ASIC power, and contribute it to a decentralized network. Or somewhere in the same manner, we like to call it farming. So you take your hard drive and you essentially contribute it to this network and you get paid in cryptocurrency just like you would be doing with
0: Bitcoin mining. Why is this faster than using a centralized system like Amazon? It seems like centralized systems have a lot of weaknesses, but one of the things that they tend to be pretty good at is they're, you know, fast and and fairly cheap, relatively speaking. So how does it work that... uh, that you can be faster and cheaper and still have the distributed element to this?
1: Go to any server-hosted website or any typical cloud uh, service and download a file. Try to retrieve that same file from, let's say, so BitTorrent. That Torrent is almost always going to be faster as long as you have enough peers. Uh, so you can connect multiple people simultaneously and download that file versus some data center, hopefully close to your location. Um, So a lot of people who have just used BitTorrent understand that peer-to-peer can essentially be faster as long as you have enough peers on the other end serving that file to you. That's kind of the basis on, on the speed portion. The difference is when you have something like BitTorrent and you're downloading a file, most of the problem is there's not enough seeders, there's not enough people to connect to simultaneously to download that file. But that's kind of the beauty of where you add the cryptocurrency aspect of it is if you want a particular file, you can essentially offer a reward directly for for offering that file. So as long as there's a demand for that file, there's a reward for the people on the other side of that file to seed or host that file and bring it to you. And that's something that's kind of not on the BitTorrent network as of now, there was no were more reward mechanisms. So essentially, people just have to volunteer and you'd hope that a lot of people would be hosting that file or a lot of people wanted that file so you could get it quickly. So it's kind of meshing those that method with a new Uh, reward mechanism.
0: Okay. I think I understand this. So, so now take this concept and compare it against what we saw MadeSafe come out with, or, you know, what we saw MadeSafe announce a few months ago, where are the similarities and where are the differences in the systems?
1: MadeSafe is kind of the the first question I get. And a lot of people think as MadeSafe and us as competitors, and that, that could be farther from the truth. Uh, so actually, when we're doing our due diligence for building out storage and doing research into to other protocols that were working on similar manners, uh, we were actually working with the Bit angels with this, with David Johnson. And so we were kind of doing some research and that's when we discovered MadeSafe. And so the Bit angels actually worked on bringing MadeSafe kind of into the Bitcoin platform, into the Bitcoin ecosystem, just through that kind of initial research uh, that we were doing. So we've been talking with Madesafe from the very, very beginning of kind of our platform and the stuff that they've been working on. They've been working on essentially the decentralized Internet protocol for many, many, many years. Now, the interesting thing about the storage platform is that we build both apps, so the front end stuff the user is able to use, and the protocols. In that sense, with another platform like Madesafe, We don't have to compete with them. We can work directly with them because we can just take their technology and plug it directly into our front end applications. When the user is actually using these decentralized storage applications, they can do it on multiple networks. So it just kind of expands the technology and the use cases of our, our applications. And so really there's no way to compete at all when you could just kind of work together along the same goals. So we're working on our own kind of decentralized storage platforms. But I think the, the, the main difference is maybe the technical ways that we're approaching this. Made Safe is more building uh, their own flavor of a peer-to-peer network. Ours is more built foundationally on Bitcoin and Bitcoin technologies to be able to make it work.
0: So it sounds like MadeSafe is more kind of building their own platform, whereas storage is more about vertical integration?
1: Oh, yeah, that 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 probably would be a, a good uh, summary there. In essence, they work well together. If you have a robust Madesafe network and a robust storage network, well, that this works out for the benefit of everybody. Madesafe is not the only platform that that we're also integrating. There's some really promising technologies: Sciacoin, Permacoin by Andrew Miller and a bunch of other researchers, and there's also Filecoin as well. So we're evaluating all those on a technical basis and see where we can integrate those into our platform.
0: So really, again, it, it sounds like what you're, uh, what Storage wants to do is build consumer-facing apps, and you're building this other stuff on the back end, but it's more to enable what you want to do with the front-end stuff, right?
1: So that's when we have our, our application portion. So we are also working on our own decentralized storage technologies on the back end.
0: And so what's better about your decentralized storage technologies?
1: There's multiple different technical approaches that everyone's taking. Our particular approach is that use a Bitcoin blockchain as a foundational element for the technology. So let's say you want to store a file on the storage network. You take that file you split it up into discrete pieces, you encrypt those pieces, and then you distribute it throughout this decentralized storage network. Now, the question is, A, how do you keep track of that? How do you essentially share those bits of information with other people? And B, how do you start to add the kind of security architectures to this network? Essentially, we can do that through... Kind of the existing Bitcoin technology, I store a file on this network, I encrypt it, I distribute it through the network, and then I take the identifying information. So essentially, you generate uh, something that's just called a hash. I mean, we just use that as the identifier f- for the file, and we can store that in a blockchain. Uh, so I can just do a, a standard Bitcoin like transaction and store that information in the blockchain. So anyone or any application that needs to access that file can look that information up in the blockchain and then find what network or what server, what location that file is is actually at on the internet. But we can start to expand that to do really cool things. For example, if I wanted to send you a file directly, we're, we're familiar with Bitcoin transactions, right? So you take your, your public address, I copy that in my wallet, I put some coin amount, and I hit send. And the other end, you receive those coins. Simple enough, right? Or at least for, for Bitcoin users. So we can start to do the, the kind of same things with this platform in ways that you give me a public address, but instead of sending coins or some monetary value with it, I give you the identifiers for the file that I want to send you. So you give me your public address and I essentially through the blockchain, I can send you the necessary information to access that file. So I can send data to that Bitcoin address. I can send the file to your public Bitcoin address and that shows up in your wallet and you can access that. But through that system, it's completely secure, completely decentralized, not relying on any one service or server to be able to do that transfer and to be able to keep track of those files. So it's a little bit of taking this Bitcoin technology and just applying it to another field, another area, instead of coins, we're transferring data.
0: Now, when you're talking Um, about a Bitcoin, you're talking about Bitcoin technology, you're talking about a fork, right? This is not the actual Bitcoin blockchain.
1: That's where it gets a little blurry. We're creating a, a, a cryptocurrency called Storage CoinX. So this is kind of the baseline cryptocurrency for the network. It's essentially a counterparty asset. In a way it does kind of run on the Bitcoin blockchain. So you have Bitcoin, then you have counterparty on top of that, and then you have Storage Coin X.
0: So you don't actually have a blockchain that any sort of data is being stored in, what you're doing is you are creating a system whereby people use the counterparty asset that you've created, Storage, to then insert the hashes of data location into the blockchain. So in much the same way that counterparty encodes like asset creation, your protocol essentially uses a counterparty asset to to embed this other type of data?
1: Not necessarily. We're separating the reward mechanisms, the cryptocurrency... Aspects, so that's Storage Coin X from another blockchain that's primarily concerned with storing the relevant metadata from the actual database blockchain. So that allows you to get good separation between the two technologies and they get don't get too
0: muddled. So, is there any coin at all on the metadata blockchain? Is there a coin associated with that? Yes.
1: So right now, uh, we're using a coin called DataCoin for essentially prototyping. We're going to probably hard fork that or build a new platform, but it, it's existing right now. So it, it, it gives us a good kind of development platform for now. And so that's taking care of storing the actual metadata and the file information in the blockchain. Okay. Um, so that's kind of a separate cryptocurrency, but we're going to build that out in the future what we have now is great for prototyping.
0: Okay, so then let's do this. Um, let's take a step forward and uh, and tell me what this thing looks like in six months when you're done, or at least done with the first you know product that people can try out and use.
1: I, I didn't want to address one thing before we move on to that. In terms of, I get a lot of questions about uh, Bitcoin and why are you creating your own cryptocurrency instead of, uh, essentially using Bitcoin. It really goes to mostly some of the technical challenges in terms of inserting metadata into a blockchain and making that work. For Bitcoin, you can only insert about uh, 40 bytes per transaction in the Bitcoin blockchain versus our platform. And these, at least at the beginning, we need more about 500 bytes to a kilobyte per transaction. So it's really not technical uh, feasible to put in the Bitcoin blockchain as of now. So that's why we're kind of bootstrapping it through our own cryptocurrency on our own platform. But we're really looking forward to things like tree chains and side chains, which would enable us to do that on the Bitcoin blockchains. That technology is kind of still being developed and still in flux. So we're not kind of waiting around for it. But we would be excited to essentially reintegrate more directly into Bitcoin should those things become actually viable and actually out there.
0: Do you think that that's plausible given the costs of using the Bitcoin blockchain? Like that might be the largest cost. You know, if, if you're talking about paying people fractions of, you know, of these tokens in order to have them store your material, well, you still have that minor fee if you're doing it on the Bitcoin blockchain. What do you think the trade off is there between the cost of it versus what you gain?
1: In terms of that, that's when we get into start getting into the like the fun Bitcoin technology that's being developed. The solution to the fee problem is microtransactions and microchannels. And so there's already some working code for that in Bitcoin J that we're going to be playing around with. So essentially, you solve that fee problem by doing microtransactions and microchannels. That gets into perhaps another technical portion about. Bitcoin fees and the feasibility of, of storing metadata, but we can probably uh, leave that for another conversation.
0: That's fine. You th- you feel confident <laughs> that it's not a show stopping problem?
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay, That's fine. That's what I wanted correct. to get to
1: there. I guess we're all uh, familiar with Ethereum. One one of the the kind of selling points and portions that Ethereum in the early days w- was saying that hey we can we can build this kind of decentralized Dropbox. And essentially, uh, you're doing the same kind of metadata store uh, or actually storing the information in the blockchain. With that, you, you run into kind of fee problems where if you're storing data in a blockchain, you, you run up these tremendous fees and it, it makes it kind of infeasible to do. So you want to store a video file in the blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain, Ethereum blockchain, Datacoin blockchain, essentially, uh, the overhead for fees for doing that is astronomical. A simple video would cost you thousands of dollars. And so we're, we're looking at more creative solutions on storage to, to actually build it out to get rid of the fee structure. And so part of that is the microtransaction and micro channels that I was talking about. Another portion of that is more technical solutions and ways we can put data in the blockchain but not actually put the data in the blockchain.
0: LTB coin is the official community rewards program of the LTB network. You can earn LTBC by performing any number of things you probably already do. If you listen to shows like Let's Talk Bitcoin, Bitcoins and Gravy, or The Mad Money Machine, listen up for the magic word. When you hear it, visit letstalkbitcoin.com, log into your free account, and enter the magic word to claim your share of the listener rewards. And now, it's time for the LTB News Flash, brought to you as always by CryptoKit. The easiest, fastest Bitcoin wallet that installs right into your browser, so it's always there when you need it. Here are the headlines. For this, the 12th of August, 2014, Beware of Bitcoin, U.S. Consumer Agency warns. Welcome to Bitcoin Boulevard in Cleveland. No cash needed on this street. Bitcoin adoption, five ways to make the Bitcoin price rise without being a whale. Bitcoin Foundation selects BitGo Enterprise to manage finance. PESA introduces Bitcoin buying option in 190 countries. Bitcoin theft, Canadian hacker could be to blame. Bitcoin, baffling or brilliant. Today's LTB sponsorship section is a little different. After about a month and a half of running sponsor auctions on the forums, I'm pleased to announce the LTB auctioneer system has been released in its initial highly experimental form, thanks to Devin Weller. You visit auction.letstalkbitcoin.com or click the auction option from the page menu and you'll be taken to our token auction portal. Anyone can create an auction. Last night, I set up two, each with a minimum bid of 10,000 LTB coin, set up to expire this morning at 7 a.m., and each giving one sponsor token back. A sponsor token can be redeemed, manually for now, just by emailing, to reserve a sponsorship on an available episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin. They don't have to be used immediately, and they don't even have to be used by the person who won the auction. The first two auctions had closing prices of 149,915 LTBC for one and 234,676 LTBC for the other, shattering our previous records with a total LTBC revenue of 384,591. And with that in mind, I'd like to turn to our first sponsor to ever redeem a sponsor token Paul Boyer over at the Mad Money Machine. Over the last six months, LTB has become a distributed autonomous media network, and joining forces with Mad Money Machine was basically our first step along this path. With new episodes released every two weeks, listening to Mad Money Machine is watching the world of cryptocurrency as seen through Paul's unique perspective. Mad Money Machine is an immersive experience as Paul blends music, memes, and money to create a unique segment-based approach to a crypto show I haven't seen anywhere else. My personal favorite is Satoshi's Corner, where each episode Paul reads emails or excerpts from Satoshi Nakamoto's public history. You can find Mad Money Machine at madmoneymachine.com, on iTunes, and all the normal places. And of course, it's right here at letstalkbitcoin.com, complete with magic word listener rewards on each episodes. Oh, and one more thing. Sponsor tokens are now accepted by Mad Money Machine. So when you use your LTBC to buy a sponsor token, you can now pick between using it with Let's Talk Bitcoin or the Mad Money Machine. So that's it. Short sponsor segment today to go along with a shorter episode. The magic word is drive. That's D R I V E. Drive. You've got until the fifteenth of August to visit letstalkbitcoin.com to turn in your magic word for your share of the LTB listener rewards. And now back to the show. So let's take a step forward for a minute. Um. You know, there's a lot of detail that we just went over right there. For a normal user, what will the experience be like? What will What is analogous to what they'll experience when they're using the product in six months? And, and how far really do you think you're going to be able to get in that amount of time?
1: One of the fun things about storage, we started, you know, a couple months ago. And our, our main goal was to hey, some prototype software out before we really start talking about the project and really start getting things going let's 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 get at least a little prototype out so right now we have an application called uh, metadisk that's running some of our prototype platform that you can actually use right now if you go into our our forms storagetalk.org and then you go to the metadisk uh, form there's some prototype links for that application so we already have at least some of the front end part, part of this uh, working. So essentially for that application, we're, okay, we wanna give people a nice general introduction to storage. Let's forget all the complicated clients and all that uh, other stuff. You just go on this essentially web app, you drag, drag and drop your file, it will encrypt it and distribute it out through uh, some of our prototype nodes. This is actually already being kind of used in amongst our platform ourselves and somewhere we use. So you can try it out. So I encourage people to take a look at that. So in terms of that, in the next six months and future, we're gonna be building out more and more and more features to that applications. And then also building out some some desktop applications uh, so people can use it on, on their computers. So in terms of that, that's gonna function more like what people are used to already, right? So you have Dropbox or Google Drive, you have these services where you just set a folder and then it essentially syncs with the network on your multiple computers. So we have kind of a web application for that already and we're working on desktop clients as well. The other portion is uh, that I think people are most excited about is the farming portion. So the idea that you can take your hard drive and rent it out to the network. So we're working on applications for that as well, and we hope to have a prototype to show of that fairly soon. So we want people to really not get into the portion of hey six months from now or a year from now, or you know the good old two-week uh, term is two weeks TM. We really just want to say, here's a prototype here it is, you can play with it right now, and then we're just going to build upon it feature by feature by feature by feature. Kind of a fixed release, fixed release schedule. That way we we avoid this kind of, you know, oh, is the software going to be available in six months versus, hey, we can get something to you fairly quickly, and then we're just going to build it a feature set at a time. Because a lot of people, there's a lot of projects in the Bitcoin community that are like, hey, we're going to have this fairly soon, and then they don't have anything. Um. So that's simply because they're 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 pushing towards these large goals. We like to set small goals and then build from there.
0: So storage recently launched a uh, crowdfunding or crowd sale campaign um, to pre-sell some of these tokens that are then going to operate this network. So can you talk a little bit about that? About uh, both in terms of the crowdfunding, what's going on with the sale, and in terms of what the value proposition is for these tokens, and what what should people view these tokens as?
1: So we we launched uh, a crowd. Uh, crowdfunding uh, about last week, right before I, I headed off to the, the Bitcoin Chicago conference. And it's, it's been going great so far. Well, essentially, the idea is we're doing your, your, your basic crowd sale where we're giving out these tokens. But really, the key component to that is early access to the software. Of course, we want to be able to get developers to work on applications and the protocol. So essentially, we can have this crowdfund to fund that development, but also give those people who have contributed to the crowd sale your standard rewards. So, Storagecoin X, which is our cryptocurrency that we use in this network, uh, that's part of the rewards. The, uh, the other portions of the rewards are early access to our drive farming application and also some rewards uh, with Metadis, our kind of front end web app. Uh, and there's there's more wars that will probably come in in the future.
0: How should people look at storage?
1: You want to look at storage as more of a platform than rather a singular cryptocurrency or singular application. We're really trying to build, build it out as a platform and an ecosystem. So essentially, what what Storage Coin is Storage Coin X is used for is Buying and selling space on the network. So, you're going to be able to earn storage coin for using our uh, essential drive farming application. And then you're going to be spending storage coin when you want to store your files on this network. Obviously, as, as a cryptocurrency, it has the standard properties of a cryptocurrency in, in terms of being able to move it around and trade it with other people. But we aren't necessarily focusing on that. It has a particular use case within our ecosystem. So if you look at something like Bitcoin, great cryptocurrency, we all love it. But what can we use it for? We can essentially use it for goods and services. And I can go uh, using the gift app. I can purchase a gift card and go spend it in a store. Or I can pay someone for doing a particular task for me but for storage the storage coin the the value proposition is a little different it's used in essentially our data applications so why why would you care about storage coin versus something like bitcoin or another cryptocurrency because there's perhaps an inherent value with that so you have bitcoin which is what an eight billion dollar it fluctuates around market and then you have this quote-unquote cloud, you have companies like Dropbox or Google Drive and all these other companies that are are concerned with a moving data around and storing it and processing. And that's a hundred fifty billion dollar industry, more or less a year. There's a huge demand for data. Who doesn't use, you know, something like Dropbox or Google Drive or these other services to store their file? So there's an inherent demand for storage coin because it's linked to data. It's linked to storing files and moving them around and sharing them. And that's an existing ecosystem that we understand and that we use versus getting kind of Bitcoin to mainstream. There's, there's a lot of hurdles and technical challenges. I believe we'll get there, but we have to deal with regulations and user perception, usability. It functions like Dropbox or Google Drive, and cryptocurrency is just the underlying reward mechanism. Summarizing that down, it's just the inherent value of storage coin is its use in the platform and its use for data rather than as your standard cryptocurrency where you buy goods and services with it.
0: So when it comes to the um, when it comes to the token itself, do you have a long term schedule for how it's going to be issued and what the rates are? Can, is is this predictable or is it something that will be changing over time? Because you're using a user created asset, usually it's right. something that's set in stone. But with user created asset, not necessarily. So I mean, is there some place where people can go and actually try to understand the fundamentals of what the token is going to do?
1: You, you can look at some of that on our crowd sale page. So storage.io slash crowd sale kind of the full terms and details of that are there, but I, I can summarize. So there's going to be 500 million storage coins in existence. So we're going to create those all lock the asset. 15% goes to the developers, a developer pool. So we can expand those coins for bounties and applications and whatnot. But I always saw a pl- a problem with this in the Bitcoin ecosystem where essentially you would have this pool of, of developer funds and the the developers would manage that and you'd hope that they would they would work in your best interest. And so that's also why we created a community pool. So we have 15% of the total coins going to the developers, but 15% also going to the community. And so really we're trying to push those coins to be completely managed through multi-sig by the community members themselves. So I, as a developer, don't have any kind of control over those coins. So it gives the community and the developers equal financial power within this ecosystem that allows us to balance it out a little bit more. The rest of the 70% of the coins are going to be distributed essentially through four different storage applications. So we have our first crowd sale now. And then some of that will also be allocated to early hard drive farming to kind of bootstrap the network and get people started with the network very easily
0: early on. Well, Sean, I think that this sounds like a really interesting project. So you already have a, a prototype out that people can take a look at? They can take a
1: look at uh, MetaDisk uh, right now and the hard drive farming application, the other kind of side of that. We're going to be releasing some some source code soon for people to play with.
0: Once again, for people who are interested in learning more about the crowdfunding proposition that's going on right now, you can go to
1: storage.io, S-T-O-R-J.io. And then we have a large, huge button on the top that goes to the CrowdSale page. So that's storage.io slash CrowdSale.
0: And there is one more thing right before we let you go. The asset is not called Storage because somebody squatted the name. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: In the early days of Storage, we were uh, deciding what platform we were going to use, whether it be MasterCoin or Counterparty or Next or all these kind of portions. So as we were deciding... Someone uh, took the initiative and uh, essentially registered the storage counterparty asset. We weren't actually going to call it the counterparty asset. We're going to add like coin or have a short value for it. But someone registered the storage asset and the storage coin asset. So we just want to make sure people are careful of that when they look on the counterparty assets, maybe later on when this is a tradable cryptocurrency, so they're not purchasing this this phantom cryptocurrency that no one actually uses you know we're, we're familiar with you know cyber squatting um, and people buying domains and holding them and trying to get the, the platforms that are actually gonna use them to buy them but this is a whole new thing asset squatting buying names for coins or names for for counterparty assets and then saying okay give me money for it now That's an interesting proposition that I think we're probably the first ones to kind of run into that.
0: Thanks for listening to episode 135 of Let's Talk Bitcoin. Content for today's show is provided by Sean Wilkinson and Adam B. Levine. This episode was edited by Denise Levine and Adam B. Levine. Music for today's show is provided by Jared Rubens, Gertie Beats, and General Fuzz. Check out auction.letstalkbitcoin.com to use your LTB coin or offer a token for auction yourself. See you next time.